Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. Well, today my favorite preacher Stacy Reeser is sharing the word with you and I just wonder if you would just help me show her some love and put your hands together for Stacy Reeser. Thank you guys so much. You can be seated. Thank you. That's so kind. Well, it's a joy to be with you all this morning and um you know I think I'm so glad we're doing, I love, I love communities. And if you've, maybe if you've tried ramp communities and you're like, oh, I just can't find a community at all, then maybe you're in the wrong church because you need to find people in your church that you actually enjoy being around. So, um, and that you can connect with on a deep level. So um, all of us should be able to connect in an intimate, up close and personal way with the people that we call our church. And, um, and I want to even talk about that a bit this morning. So But I also want to say that um, I actually, you know, as risky as relationships are, as, as oftentimes they can be messy, sometimes they can add stress, I, I just want to testify that they are so worth the mess. Life is bittersweet, right? Following Christ, bittersweet, cross and glory. Um, but even this month, I was chatting with some of, some, of, some of you that I'm close with here in church, and you asked me, you know, how are you? And, and I was like, honestly, January has been not what you expect for the Reeser household. We've had a lot of personal challenges, a lot of stress and a lot of personal challenges. And, I, and I've, I've told some of you, I was like, but you know what's made it so sweet? is just being able to share the burden with you guys, is being able to, to have people in your life uh, just a handful, a community, yes, a whole church, but then a handful of people that you have gotten to know and you trust here in this city. I mean, that's a sign and a wonder to me. We, we left a really deeply connect, uh, connected community in Hamilton and moving here, it's just been wonderful to over time build community with you. And, and relationships are often like wine. They grow sweeter with time. And so we are, and why do we even ask for a commitment? I want to talk to you about that as well. But I want to, in fact, let's go to our Bible, to um, Acts 2.42. And I just felt like even the, the all-night prayer and what, what we're building, what we're stretching for, I just want to thank you guys for what you've contributed in stretching and in growing so that we can actually go deep together. And the practical things you've done to show up and help set up and tear down and, and do media and do kids and all these things. Like, this is like the, um, this is really what, you, you know, you, when you put, like Joe said, when you invest in something, you get more out of it. And I just want to thank you guys for all you've invested even this month and since we've launched in person again, what you've invested. Um, and I'm really believing that you will be able to taste the sweet fruit of longevity. So let's go to Acts 2. I'm going to read one verse here, and um, I just want to talk to you about this year in Ramp Church, in your own life, wherever you live, but here at Ramp Church, this year us focusing on having a great commitment. Say great commitment. A great commitment 
to God's great commandment and his great commission. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. So this morning, I'm just going to be focusing on the commitment to the great commandment. Um, which is, actually, I didn't even have that scripture up here to read, but I want to read, uh, let's start in Acts 2.42. So this is after Jesus has ascended, and um, they are experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And God is adding to their number daily, and they are seeing signs and wonders, and it is like revival is breaking out. Uh, revival is breaking out, and Holy Spirit has the reins, and it's awesome. And this is a little, this is a little window, Acts 2. Verse 42, I'm going to read it first in the Amplified Version. So Acts 2.42 is just a window in the midst of this great outpouring of just the day-to-day life of these people. Um, And it says here that the believers, they, were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship and to eating meals together, and to prayers. Now, that's a really familiar verse. But that first phrase there, and then let's read it in the new, uh, let's read it in the King James Version. Acts 2.42 in the King James Version. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You know, sometimes people come into to different ramp um, things and they're like, oh, I just love the praying culture here. I'm like, praying culture is a part of every believer's life, right? Pray, prayer is a part of like, that's foundational no matter who you are, what nation you live in, what church you go to. They devoted themselves to that. But this, and okay, I want to read it. One more verse uh, translation in Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. But I love it most where it says in in the Amplified, continually and faithfully devoting themselves. So relationships, a commitment to Christ and a commitment to his way, it requires this earnest perseverance. And you know, I, I feel like one of the things the Lord's been highlighting to us as we've relaunched in person, as COVID and lockdown has lifted, is we, a lot of you, most of you in this room, you say, you know, you are committed to Jesus, right? I mean, you have this commitment, you're responding to the grace, giving him your life. So the step and the challenge for us is to commit to each other to commit to the body of Christ. Now, you've heard the analogy, you've heard me say this before. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of this body. And the body of Christ is the believers that are assembled all over the globe. There's this global body of Christ, but then there's these local expressions. So then each church becomes this little body, this little expression of Christ himself. And you can't love the head without loving the body. And you can't be tender towards God, but hard towards his people. And all throughout the word, you see, especially as as scripture progresses, and even in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the beloved disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, he's just hammering this point. Isaiah 58, hammering this point. Jesus, in the great commandment, in the great, um, we'll read that in a second, hammering that 
what is the most important thing? To love God, to love your neighbor. So this year, and even in these practical little ways, committing to serve each other, I want us to make sure we have a strong commitment to each other, to the people of God. So let's look at Luke 10. Verse, uh, starting in verse 30. Actually, no, starting in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Don't you start to cringe when you read phrases like that in the Bible? You're like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not that guy. I'm not going to test Jesus and then it be written about in generations to come. You're that guy who tested Jesus and is about to get obliterated by his argument. So this guy stands up and he says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? This is a Jewish man um, Jesus is talking to. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Now, if he would have just walked away at that moment, we would be commending him, applauding him. But no, he's one of those people. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed him by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Earlier uh, last week, so we, were, we just finished this fast, and I, uh, the last week of the fast, you know, I was just really sensing just this reminder of scripture that's actually in... Um, Hosea 6.6 6 and Matthew 9.13, where the Lord, Jesus himself, quotes in Hosea 6.6 6 in Matthew 13, and he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so we're wrapping up this fast, and I'm going, you know, we're about to go into this all-night prayer, and I just start hearing this phrase in my spirit, the Lord desires mercy, not sacrifice. So, you know, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, you know, well, what does this mean for me? And I start thinking, okay, and I even start sharing it in like every prayer meeting we had last week. And I still don't really fully know like why that applies to me. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm holding a grudge towards anybody. I don't have necessarily any spite towards unresolved, you know, I'm so, okay, I don't, I don't know. So last night, last night I have this dream. And in this dream, first of all, I, I oversleep an hour and 20 minutes this morning. 
Joe wakes me up and I had set my alarm for p.m. instead of a.m. So I wake up and I'm like really disoriented. And then I have, and then I, I have this dream that morning. Like when he woke me up, he wakes me up from this dream. And um, in this dream, there's this, this, this leader that's not really part of the ramp anymore. Um, great person, love him, still kind of loosely connected. But, and in this dream, I am, we're in this leadership meeting in Hamilton, and I start speaking up on behalf of this leadership team. Like, there's probably 20 to 30 people on our leadership team. You know, we've got campuses all over different locations, and we're in the back stadium. We're with Pastor Karen Wheaton and these leaders, and this particular person has really hurt some people that I love, hurt Pastor Karen, made some wrong decisions, and we're all just there, and Stacy just decides to confront it in the dream. And in the dream, I start like just confronting every wrong issue, everything. I'm holding back nothing. I'm like, you did this, you did that. You know, let's talk about this. And I'm like doing it, and the more I'm doing it, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, he, and this was the great thing in the dream. He couldn't argue, he knew he was wrong, right? So I'm clearly on the upper hand of this argument. And what's great about is, is, is I'm not really, I've not personally been hurt by this person. It's a person, it's one of those situations where they hurt the people you love. And so I am like, in, my, in the dream, like, I am clearly, I am justified. I'm justified because, right, I'm loving them. So you know how, you know how it is. You're like, well, I love them, so that means I have to hate you. <laughs> we do that, right? We do that. And so the, the hate cycle continues. You hurt somebody I love? Oh, I'm going to kill you. No. No, this is how, this is the mess that humans get into. And this is exactly what this guy's saying. He's wanting to justify his anger, justify his lack of love. And our human tendency is we will always be able, in our reasoning, justify our lack of love. So in the dream, I'm railing at this person, and he, you know, he doesn't have anything to say. He's agreeing. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. He's not fighting it. He's like, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. And, everybody, and I wake up, and I'm like, okay, like, I feel kind of like, I feel kind of good. Like, I didn't actually get to do it in person, but in, the, in my nighttime, I slayed that guy. <laughs> and as I'm getting ready for church, and I'm running late, anyway, I hear that verse. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I'm thinking, well, I don't have to be merciful. I'm like standing up for those who can't defend themselves, right? I should be the hero of this story, Lord. They're not speaking up. They've been wronged. Leave it to me. I will speak up. I will demolish. I will win the argument. But God wants mercy. And in a culture we so value, I feel like if Jesus was walking planet Earth right now, he would probably say something like, I desire mercy, not being right. We so value being right. Everything is about who's being right. What's the right, right, right? Because we're hungry. Our hurting hearts are hungry for justice. Our hurting, bleeding hearts want justice. But we have to leave vindication in the Lord's hands because when we take it in our own, we perpetuate the cycle of hatred. So this great commitment to God's word, to, to his commandment, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, it's going to require a commitment to show mercy. It's going to require a commitment to mercy above being right. 
It's going to mean that you leave it up to God to fight for people that you can't necessarily fix everything. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak out. I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, stand for the right thing. I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm not saying take abuse. I'm not, I'm just speaking to you who are trying to justify your actions, okay? I'm not speaking about every single topic related to love and justice right now. I'm talking about our need as a people to show mercy to God. Can I talk like that? So I want us, even as we're moving into this year, our commitment to God, our love to God, is expressed in how we treat each other. And I want us, when you're thinking about your walk with God, and you're thinking about your love for God and how much you love him, and sometimes in God's glory presence, right, we get in God's glory presence, and it's like you feel like you're just going to explode, because God's love is so great. And you think about the great, you think about the commission, like, oh, I'm going to go to the nations, and we need to go to the nations. We need local, and we need global, both living in us, breathing in us, getting through us at the same time. But I want us to focus. I want, if you're part of this church, I want you to commit to the people in this church, to the imperfect people, And if you're part of a church, any church, I want you to keep committing to them. Even when it's hard. That's why opportunities for commitment are so important. It not just gives us the opportunity to express the commitment and the steadfast love of God to the world. But it helps us from getting caught in that cultural stream, that cultural current where there's no commitment. Today, relationships, no commitment. Jobs, you can be mobile, there's no commitment. You, get, you lose a job, just go on the internet, find one in a completely different country, completely different nation. Kind of, there's so much that's easy to transition in this world that we live in today that commitment doesn't, it, it's, it's, uh, it's so cheap, right? I mean, think about like a couple hundred years ago. You had a job, like you're not just gonna go on the internet and try to find another one. No, you know all the people in that town. And there's a greater, like, stuckness, so, so to speak. Now we're very mobile. We're very transient. We're very, so we need opportunities to strengthen commitment because commitment is an attribute that we are meant to represent in the world around us. See, the world is asking, the world is asking, what is God about? What's he doing? In the midst of this chaos, what's God doing? And then when we tell him what he's doing, oh, he's saving humanity, he's making a way to make all things new, he's restoring, then they're like, well, what's he like? What's he like? And isn't that, think about somebody famous that you've maybe wanted to know. I know like different people who I look up to have come to minister at the ramp and one of my friends will maybe get to take him to the airport, get, be in the back in the green room. And this recently happened with the guy from Upper Room Ministries. And, and I remember asking, I was like, Micah, I was like, so, so Micah took him to the airport and I was like, okay, well, I know what he does. He does 24-7 prayer and he preaches and he's fiery and it's awesome. I'm like, so what's he like? No, like, what's he like in the back? That's what I want to know. You know, is he funny? Is he what? So the world's asking us, what are, and all we're doing is, well, this is what we do. And we're not giving them a taste of what God's like because we don't have any commitments to any relationships. We don't have any kind of resemblance of steadfast, enduring love. And if there's any kind of conflict, we bail, which is so opposite of the character of God. 
And so we're always going to want to provide opportunities for you to strengthen your commitment muscle. And when it comes to commitments, you need to count the cost, like Jesus said. You need to count the cost. And you need to then uh, communicate what your commitment can be. Even in volunteering, we encourage you guys, communicate. You know, we, we have a starting point. We'd love for you to volunteer once every month, once every six weeks. If everybody does a little, makes the load lighter. But you communicate. Your boundaries is your life, and it's your responsibility to communicate. But once you communicate your commitment, keep the promise even when it hurts. Keep the promise even when it hurts. Because if there's one thing about God in Israel that we learned about God... And towards us, he keeps his promises even when it hurt him, even when it cost him. I want us just this fresh desire in my heart to commit to God, to commit to his people, even so that we can just represent his love to the world around us and to each other. You know, we get hurt, right? And what do we do when we get hurt? We isolate. Our tendencies, we want to pull back. But we've talked about this before. You know, it's, it's really important, especially when you're hurting, to stay connected. Because the life of Christ flows not just through angelic personal encounters, but through other people. So people hurt you, yes, but people can also help heal you. And you're going to be tempted like all of us. You're going to get hurt. You're going to be tempted to withdraw and to start constructing walls around your heart to protect yourself. But the same walls that are going to protect you are eventually going to starve you to death. <laughs> nothing comes in, nothing goes out. And then you start to get frustrated because this is not the abundant life that God promised me. And then that frustration creates more doubt. And doubt then creates this resistance to engage with people more. And it builds, builds, builds. Until you are behind Jericho, the Jericho walls, and you can't experience, you can't feel, you can't hear God. Where is God? Dark, 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 dark. Now, there are seasons of darkness and silence for lots of different reasons. But one of the primary reasons we can't hear God or feel God is our heart has grown hard towards people and therefore hard towards God. And we need to be able to reconnect with the love and the forgiveness of God and be open and broken. Jesus was broken. Jesus was open and broken towards humanity, rejected by the ones he came to save, but still showed up on the scene for us. Let's look at Hosea 6. Hosea 6, I just want to even encourage us um, Isaiah 6 I'm going to read just verse 1 through 7 this God that we're representing that we are receiving from like it says in Ephesians 5 verse 1 it says imitate God therefore as dearly loved children and live a life of love following the example of Christ who gave his life for you. So everything about our behavior is meant to imitate God. Say imitate God. 
Every bit of love that you have is not you just like trying to be a good human. It's you have a revelation of how God created you. And like a child imitates a parent, you imitate God. Your commitment, it's not about you being great at self-help. Your commitment, you get a revelation of the steadfast love of God and you imitate that. Your forgiveness, you receive forgiveness. You've got a revelation of forgiveness and you imitate that. You receive mercy. You're not treated as you deserve. God does not treat you as your sins deserve. So then you imitate that to other people. It all flows from revelation. So here, Hosea 6. They're having a wake-up moment. This nation that has gone to idolatry, they've turned away from the Lord, but they're waking up through the prophetic voices, they're responding, the work of the Spirit. So in verse 1, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, now he will heal us. He has injured us, now he will bandage our wounds. And some of you may just need that comfort in relationships. The courage to engage. Sometimes I tell that to myself. In doing and pastoring and leadership, you guys in leadership, you know it can be brutal, right? Life is brutal. But then you have people projecting their pain onto your existence, and it can be really brutal, right? I'm not God. But, but people see authority figures. They can't, they can't raise their fist and shout at God, so they'll raise and, and shout at authority. Now, why? why? Why would we want to even risk making life more stressful? It's again because the life of Christ is there in that community. And sometimes you just need to say, if he, if he wounds me, he will heal me. If I'm wounded from this call, he will heal me in this call. And so many, I, I know so many people who've left the ministry, have left their place of assignment, be it a workplace, whatever, because they've been wounded, so they take their own protection into their own hands. They've wound, they're wounded, and they don't, if, if, if God has allowed it, he can heal it. He can heal it. Better to be wounded in his wheel, in his will, and healed there than to die outside of his will. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. And now the Lord speaks. Oh, Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Ask the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. This beautiful picture of this messy relationship between God and humans. And God's unfailing, steadfast love and commitment towards us. This is the life that he's called us to. This is the life where we find life. This broken, open life that's on its way towards total resurrection. This broken, open life that's not going to be dominated by fear and not going to be dominated by self-preservation. This willingness to risk it all in genuine love for God by expressing our love and commitment towards others. And love comes down in little things, right? There's no love without inconvenience. There's no love without sacrifice. 
We know this, right? And this gets me, like this gets me. Ram Church, listen to me right now. I, and I know you're like this. This is why God's brought us together. We resonate with this. We don't wanna live a life that's incongruent and hypocritical. That's one of the things that binds us all together. You don't wanna sing that you love God and then live a life that's contrary in actions towards that. You don't wanna be like a Pharisee or a Sadducee, right? You want to be the real thing. You want to live a life really loving. But you can't really love unless you're willing to get broken and be healed and get broken and get healed and get broken and get healed. And you can't be afraid of that because resurrection follows suffering. Glory is in the middle of suffering. And I want to just instill courage in your heart you can't commit to everything, and not, but you need to commit to the people of God. There needs to be some sweet-tasting fruit of places where you've stayed when you wanted to leave, of people that you stayed with when you wanted to leave, and just look at your life. Where are those places? The sweet fruit of longevity. I want that for you young people especially. I'm not saying you have to stay at the same church for the rest of your life. People will come and people will go and there's different assignments and different seasons. But we get that, right? That's like everybody's okay with that. But what about like the long-termers in your life? The long-standing things that haven't changed. Do you have any of those? Do you have any long-standing relationships? Any long-standing commitments? And some of you are so hungry for some sweet fruit but you've just got to get planted and stay put. Fruit takes time. You keep uprooting yourself before you get any of the good fruit. You're frustrated in relationships as well. But let's commit this great commitment to the great commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, I want that for you, Ramp Church. I want that for you. I want you to love him back just like he loves you and I'm not talking about like a surface a surfacey type of love where you love them when it's all going well I'm talking about that deep love hell's breaking loose and you're still showing up for Jesus circumstances are are smacking you in the face circumstances mocking you but you stay put committed to him that's what I want. I want you to love him with all of your heart soul mind and strength and I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself and I want you so committed to this that you will rearrange everything in your life, your feelings, your circumstances, whatever, to just get that right and not justify your actions out of that. I'd like the band to come on forward. There's something beautiful about long-term commitments, right? Where the relationships survived a lot of heat and fire. Think about somebody that you know, maybe a marriage, maybe um, a, a relationship that you have with somebody where you've just, you've weathered lots of storms. 
There's, a, there's safety. There's something about us that can just relax in the presence of people we've weathered storms with, right? There's something that's easy about those relationships that have had a lot of hard bits. This is what I want for us. Do you think that we're asking for too much as people of God to really have faith for genuine community? Do you have faith for genuine community where you're known and you're loved and there's people that have your back? And this is not, this is like any other church, it's not perfect. You're going to be hurt no matter where you live or where you go. No matter what leader you submit to, that leader will disappoint you at times. And that's part of your process, all of our process of maturity. There were loads of times I wanted to up and leave in Hamilton. Different reasons. But they were all, it was not about that issue. It was more about my maturity. It was more about me as a person developing into maturity. And in closing, you know, I want us to just see ourselves. In Matthew, in Luke 8, in Luke 8, the parable of the sower, right? They're, th they're throwing seed. The word of God is hitting different soil. And I want to just read this, and I want to prophesy it over us, Ramp Church, that we would be mature and that we would bear the fruit we've been destined to bear. A hundredfold fruit. It says, so the, the seed is the word of God. You don't have to put this up. I'll just read it. I don't know if it's back there or not, but this is Luke 8. It says, the ones along the path are those who've heard and the devil comes and takes away. And then the, verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fell away. And there's going to be tests for you. They're going to happen in this community. Your faith will be tested inside and outside of it. Your patience tested. But if you can just stay rooted, if you can stay rooted in the place of your assignment, you can eat some really sweet fruit later on. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by cares and riches and pleasure. As for those that fell on the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart and they bear fruit with patience. They hold it fast. That place, that people that they've committed to, they hold it fast and they produce fruit with patience.